Thank you, Dave. Good morning from me, everybody. Um, Exodus is where the angel of the Lord leads people like us to meet the Father on the mountain so that they can live and that they're no longer in slavery because humans are enslaved until they meet God who frees them to live the real life that He wants us to live. Now, you may have asked this question before. How do I connect with God tangibly? How do I like physically know for sure that I'm in the presence of God? How do I connect? Well, a very short answer is church. This church, Jesus-centered churches. Um, but I need to say more, otherwise you'd probably sack me. So, luckily, that is spelled out in chapter 4. Lots of physical ways in which people listening at home and people here can meet the living God. It is when the bride uh, falls in love with the bridegroom and her eyes are on Him. And we do that in lots of ways in church and we can touch God in church. And why I love it is, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I just need to connect something outside of myself. I need to be attached to something bigger than me because my grip on life and on God so often just is useless and I'm tired. Do you ever feel like that? Um, you lack joy. You might feel weak. You've had a terrible week and you've sinned and failed in many ways. Why I like churches, because there are tangible touch points to something bigger than me. And we do it together, physically. So when we sing next week, and when we pray, and when we take communion, and when we follow Richard's amazing liturgy, and we say creeds, we thank God that they're about someone bigger than me, and His grip on me. And through these physical things, I touch Him, and He's bigger than me, and I thank Him for it. Um, nothing physical in church is insignificant. Nothing you do in the name of Jesus and for His people is insignificant. It's about trusting and being part of a movement bigger than ourselves. Now, if you ask people on your street, how do you connect with God? Or if you ask lots of Christians, how do you connect with God? In recent years, they would say things like this. Sort of like transcendental answers like silence, meditation, be alone, and stay alone because there's too much riffraff out there and they're going to distract you from connecting with God. But while there is times to be alone with God, most of the time God connects with people on planet earth through church and physical things and all that's in chapter 4. And I've jotted down a few ways in which the Lord frees people and connects with people in church life. And the first one is this. At the end of, um, well, at the beginning of Dave's passage, the end of last week's passage, um, Moses, he's going to be a leader of church. And he's really nervous about it and he doesn't want to do it. So the angel of the Lord, Jesus, that is the Son of God, he... He's going to use Moses to teach the world on how to connect with God. 
And so what he does is something which is very important for all of us to connect with God physically, and it's this. He physically brings in someone to help him and to come alongside him in his life of knowing God in church. A family member. And if we were allowed to speak to keep you awake, I would say, who was that person? And you would say, Aaron. You would say, Aaron. Someone to help me along the way. And Moses is like, I'm so useless in church, I can't even speak. And God said, okay, here's cause, here comes someone to prop you up and to help you. And I'll give you the messages and you tell him and then he'll do what he's good at and you do what you're good at. And hopefully in time, Moses, you'll start speaking for yourself. And he does. And what you find in verse 14 and 17 and 28 and 29 and 31, then elders come alongside them and then lots of church people come alongside them and together they get busy connecting with God and sharing His message, propping each other up. Christianity is not withdraw on my own so I can have true fellowship forevermore and out with the riffraff. Aaron, you help him because he's got some problems. Okay. Now, you don't have to do this because we're quite proper and reserved to you, but you might want to look at the person next to you. You don't have to, of course. Now, the chances are that the person next to you is not perfect, unless you're sitting by Mrs. Batstone. <laughs> chances are they're not perfect. They're most definitely a sinner. But here they are, physically next to you in church signally loved by God brought here on this day and they're sitting next to you and unless they're secretly plotting against Jesus and they're here to undermine the faith they probably in spite of all life's difficulties believe in their heart and confess with their mouths in some feeble way like we all do that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's risen from the dead which means they're a Christian and they're going to have problems and issues, but yet here they are, physically next to you, and you're physically next to them, and they are your church family. And as God presents Moses with Aaron, here we are together, and we're not to make our faith a personal withdrawn thing where I can have a fast track to God. No, here they are together. Here we are. And that person next to you, you can pray for them, like Aaron does for Moses. You can tend to their needs. You can protect them and uphold them. And those are physical things which are deeply spiritual. And that's how God does church. And that's how He spreads His message through Moses and Aaron and the elders in the church. And that's how He spreads it into Cardiff. Not by us thinking, I'm going to look over the shoulder of Park End Church to reach some truly spiritual connection with God. It just doesn't happen in the Bible. He puts people together and says, get on with following Jesus together. Support each other. Be their Aaron. And the world peers in at that as we forgive each other, as we make meals for each other, as we pray for each other, as we use our gifts for the kingdom. And they go, there's something about that. You know, they seem to be connecting with God tangibly as they do these tangible things together. I was watching the West Wing a few days ago, 
and that's a TV program about the government in America. And someone wrote a column in the newspaper about how much they dislike the government and how their government are doing everything wrong. <laughs> and um, one of the government workers said, there are two types of people in our world. There are those that just criticize the government and comment about how to run the country. And there are those who join in helping the running of the country. And it's the same with church. I do not read in this chapter, or any chapter in the Bible, people, super holy people, on their own to withdraw and just throw mud at the church because they have a fast track to truly spiritual life. Most of the people are told to look to the person next to them and serve them and love them. And that's how God gets His work done. And to make sure they're living their lives for Jesus. And we're helping them along the way. I, had a great, I read a great quote yesterday. Be the person your dog thinks you are. Isn't that good? My dog thinks I'm amazing. I'm not. I need help to be what my dog thinks I am. To be like Jesus. And you're to help me do that. And me, you. Be the people your dog thinks you are. You're all artists, and Aaron is an artist who's going to help Moses become more like Jesus. And uh, we are called to shape our church family to be as godly as we possibly can, and we do that together. And when you do that, you'll be amazed how many of your problems with church just vanish, because you're busy helping. Hebrews chapter 10, do not neglect meeting together, that's the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the final day coming, encourage. Now to get quite sobering, that means that we might be in a period where we have to stand next to each other and they kill Christians. And we're still to stand next to each other. So I was reading yesterday about Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley who were burned at the stake in 1555 for being Christians and for gathering together and being part of church. And the one put courage into the other and said, Play the man, Master Ridley. Play the man. And they died for Jesus together. But it also might mean for now, you might just have to be a cheerful encourager as we are in a period of examinations and our young people are stressed with exams and you can say, you'll survive these exams. You're a child of God. We're connected to God. Everything will be all right. So whether we're called to martyrdom or everything in between or just to help our family get through a difficult Monday, we are to shape each other physically as Aaron is going to do that with Moses. And then the next thing about physical church I had was all about Pharaoh. But this morning I deleted the whole thing because my sermon was too long. So if you want to know about Pharaoh, you'll have to email me. But I was going to help anybody who asked this question. Maybe you can cover it in house groups. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? It always gets asked if you know the story. Here's the very short answer before I get to the bit I actually want to say. But basically, we all have hard hearts. And it's a miracle that some of us have got soft hearts towards Jesus, and that's very kind of him. But Pharaoh had a hard heart because he persecuted church. Which just adds to my point 
This physical gathering is where God gets business done. And people who hate Jesus and church, they remain hard. And sometimes God hardens them further. But I don't want to stop there. I want to get to one of the most bizarre passages for my final point in the whole Bible. And if you ask the preacher, what's the passage in the Bible you probably never want to preach on? They would say this. They'd say Exodus chapter 4 verses 24 and 26. And at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah, his wife, took a knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. And so the Lord left him alone. Owen, what are you going to do with this? Well, actually, in the Lord's kindness, it is another example of how important and how physical real connection with God is. Um, there are sacraments in church that we gather together to do together. There's communion and baptism and many more. And in the Old Testament there was circumcision. And if you're not a Christian, you need to come to church and give your life to Jesus and join in the sacraments. Because these are physical touch points about what we believe. And the Lord feeds us by doing these physical things. And in this stunning passage, it was the same then as now, church is physical. Jesus, who's no longer in the bush, talking to Moses, he's out the bush and he's about to kill Moses. Were it not for his wonderful wife. So what is going on here? Well, Jesus is showing us how important physical Christianity is. Zipporah, who's she? She's Moses' wife, and she's from Midian. She's a woman of color. In Numbers 12, she's also described as a Cushite, which means she's a descendant of Noah's son, Ham. She's African. She's Ethiopian, and she's married Moses. And in Numbers chapter 12, interestingly, Moses' sister doesn't like that Moses had married a woman of color, and so God curses her for a while and judges her skin for a bit, so she realizes church is an international family of all cultures, and we come together to worship Jesus. There's no prejudice in the church of God. And in house groups, you can ask, well, how is she both a Midianite and an Ethiopian? You can ask your house groups leaders that. There's an easy answer, but I'm not going into it now because I want to get to this important point. Here, she saves Moses' life. How? Why? And why does it matter, Owen? The Lord is angry that Moses has not circumcised his son. That act had been a sign for hundreds of years in church life up to the point of Moses. And it was where Old Testament church members were told to cut off a bit of flesh of their firstborn sons from a part of the body which is used in creating life. And the Lord had been teaching them from Abraham onwards, you cannot produce the kind of life that I require of you because of sin. Humans left on their own without my Messiah Jesus without my Holy Spirit, cannot enter eternal life. We're marred by sin. You cannot live forever. 
You cannot be godly. You are in chains. You need the life of Jesus given to you. You need the shed blood of Jesus on a cross to kill off your nature. And you need His risen life shared with you in church. And that's the only way to be set free. So here's a picture. Cut off a bit of flesh at that point where you're going to be furthering humanity to remember you need me in your lives. And it pains me to say it, but even Moses sinned. And I love Moses. Even Moses fell into this idea that to be truly connected to God, I can ignore physical church. I can do it on my own. Peel off. Have a fast track by myself. And ignore what's going on in local church life. I can touch God by myself. I don't need His ideas. I don't need car park communion. No. And Jesus almost kills him. Were it not for Zipporah. Zipporah jumps in, puts the mark upon her family, and, this is a bad translation in English, throws the bit of flesh at the Lord's feet. Bad English translation that says, at Moses' feet. And she turns to the Lord and said, "Um, Bridegroom of blood, you are the one who gives new life. You are the one we need for real humanity to live as free people. Your life. We need you together as a family. And so we're showing it that we're yours. I don't know how well you know the picture in 16, made in 1650 of Moses and Zipporah by a Catholic priest. But Moses doesn't have a halo. Zipporah does for doing this act. It's a good picture. Look it up. And so, I close with this question again. How do we connect with God? We come to Jesus now in our hearts and we come to His people and we follow the rules that God says for church. Serve each other. Take the signs. Show it. Pray together. Sing together. However you feel, come. It's bigger than what you feel on this morning. Come. Say the creeds. Jesus is Lord. Say it and I'll keep you. Take the sacraments in. Feed on my body and I will guide you through life. Be with each other. And my very final word is, I've come to see that in church, lots of people drift away. And there are lots of people who are associated to churches in this part of Cardiff and here who have received when you were younger the sign of baptism and you used to take communion and you're not here anymore. And so today, as we stew over how do I reconnect with God and where's my life going, we're to remember the serious nature of the sign that we all carry, that we're marked by God and it's time we all come home together. I want you here. But Jesus wants you here. He's given you a sign that you're His. Now own it again with us 
in Park End. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.